Cutting for Sign with Ron Cecil and Daniel Pinnerklein. The bad white man calling the devil. The Yavapai calling. Eyes like the sky. Dave Whale, you are a commercial action, adventure, and active lifestyle photographer. You have shot street skaters, triathletes, NBA stars, and such companies as Intel, the North Face, Under Armour, Nike, Lamborghini, ESPN, and Red Bull. You believe when your passion lies in your subject, it's not hard to capture fantastic moments and connect them to the viewer. Your mantra is, shoot what you know, and after 20 years as a freelance photographer, you're still a skate rat at heart, just with nicer shoes. Dave Lale, welcome to Cutting for Sign. So glad you could join us today. Thank you. It's so nice to be here. Good to talk to you. I wanted to jump in right away with how we met because I think it's a really fun story. (laughs) And Daniel and I are kind of, we subscribe to the idea that anything is a sign if you want it to be a sign. And anything can be meaningful if you want it to be meaningful. And and a couple of years ago, we saw you in Portland, downtown Portland, in in a rented exotic vehicle. Yeah. With a with like a couple handsome boy models, and just uh, one, <laughs> just one. Maybe the other guy was your assistant who also one was handsome. The other one was just my friend who was <laughs> still very handsome though. And, and you guys were doing a shoot out in the street in the, our neighborhood, and yeah. uh, my daughter and her best friend are like transfixed by this idea of something so glamorous happening, <laughs> you know, where we live, and we're like. And they're also just really precocious. And so they were like, nice car. And, you know, just talking, like wanting yeah. to be maybe somehow in there. And um, yeah, I remember you know, bantering with you guys a little bit. Yeah. And then you guys left and I went out to walk my dog and uh, and I found, you know, to a photographer, my wife and I have some equipment, you know, maybe what I thought at first was a jackpot in the sense that I found your bag of photography equipment. Dude. I found all your lenses and a box. All right, what, what you're describing right now is... One of the best worst days of my life. <laughs> is this making you sweat just thinking about it? Like, are you gonna be like <laughs> no, I've thought about it enough that it's yeah. it's just. I mean, obviously it ended well, but yeah, what had <laughs> happened was I was, I was uh, built. I'm was slash am always building different portfolios, and I was working on an automotive portfolio. So when I was in Portland, which I'll, that's another story of why I was in Portland, um, I uh, I had I had rented a. Uh, a uh, a Jaguar off of uh, this like app where you can, yeah, Turo, where you can rent yeah. people's cars. And I was photographing a guy that I had found through an agency who was, you know, willing to expand his portfolio. And so, yeah, we were downtown photographing him around this nice car. And then... Uh, who, by the way, that guy is... I mean, he uh, he's like a real motorcycle fabricator. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, and by motorcycle fabricator, he's not like me that just buys a bike and then just like, no, he's an actual frame a little bit. He builds everything from scratch. Yeah. It's like savant level fabrication. It's pretty nuts. It's pretty nuts. Yeah. He's the real deal. His name's Hill Hudson, which also is the coolest name ever. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of like a, like perfect motorcycle builder. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And just nicest dude, super welcoming, super friendly, super interesting, just like best guy. Um, And he was the model? Yeah. Yeah. He's also very handsome. The ridiculously (laughs) good looking model. The jerk. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, so yeah, we're shooting. 
and it was uh getting a little later in the day and we were chasing light around and um so yeah we're at the location in front of ron's apartment and then i was like all right let's run over there and get this shot so we run over there and we're i'm shooting them doing some more stuff and then uh, i'm like all right i'm gonna ch- i want to change lenses and so i like look around i'm like wait where's my bag and uh, i was like oh shit i think i left it over at the other place and by this point it had been like 45 minutes in debt a a photo bag full of twenty thousand dollars worth of lenses sitting in downtown portland and uh, so we run over there and of course it's gone and i was just like i just saw my life flash before my eyes and all the blood drained out of my body and i was just like no and uh like i went into ron's building and i I found like the manager and like we looked through their security footage and sure enough you see like this shadowy character walk by and pick up the bag (laughs) and walk off with it where but you know the cameras were so terrible like you can't tell what anybody looks like i mean i could i told i could see which direction they went so i went down to another apartment building down there and was hoping to see like there security footage and all that couldn't find it and by that point i was just like it's gone it's it's just gone so i'm walking back my friends were out in front of ron's building and uh as i'm walking back they're yelling at me they're like we found it we found it we found it i was like no way (laughs) so i like fall down in the street and i'm just like holy shit (laughs) and uh and um they're like pointing up to a, a window and they're like, that guy has it. That guy has it. And Ron's like leaning out going, hey, I got your bag. I was like, oh, my God. So, um, yeah, he brings it down. And um, I was just like, oh, my God. Like, what can I do to repay you? Like, this is you, you have no idea how how screwed I was. And, and uh, you know, Ron being Ron, he's just like, don't worry about it. It's fine. In I'm happy three years help. time, and, come and be a guest on a podcast. I know. <laughs> we'll be so, here. yeah, that's... Uh, that's how we met. And yeah, we just chatted out on the street for a little while. And, um, somehow we ended, we decided to go have lunch in like two days. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, uh, the, the, uh, I mean, a part the, you know, full disclosure, the fun part of me was like, fuck yeah, I just found a bunch of photography equipment. <laughs> and then the, the, but the, you know, half a second later, I thought, I know what it's like to lose something like that. Like my, you Morgan do. And I yeah, because you exactly. Yeah, yeah. We had a, a bag of not twenty thousand dollars, but five thousand dollars of equipment. You know, taken in an in a moment. I thought I've I've got to do whatever I can do to get this back because I just know what it's like to like freak the hell out. <laughs> and it was it was like a really fun gift to get to participate in. Like I, you're lucky. Here's why you're really really lucky. One is it, that's a school where you were. Mm-hmm. And there's backpacks down there every day. Like there's oh. some kid who's leaving a backpack down there like all the time. So I thought it was one of those. And we have a bunch of kids in our building. And at first, I, you know, when I first saw it, but the moment I like really looked, I was like, oh no, this is a photography setup. Yeah. Like even just yeah. from the outside, you know, it's a photography bag. So that was really rad. And and I know what it's like to like feel like it it. When you lose something, sometimes I, I personally read into it a little bit more. Like, like, oh shit, I lost this something because I'm like self sabotaging myself, or the universe is after me, or like something insane is going on. And it, I tend to take it a little bit harder than probably I should. Like, sometimes just bad shit happens. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like, you know. But anyway, I like I was like I gotta help this guy out and or person <laughs> or whoever it was and 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 uh, right. How do you got think lucky. you, Dave? How do you think you would have handled that? If uh, 
if you hadn't gotten that back? I mean, I, I mean, luckily I'm not a complete moron and I have my gear insured. So I would have called the insurance company and got it all replaced. But I mean, you know, that deductible is not cheap. And then plus I'm out. So I actually had a job in Hawaii coming up like the next week. So that would have been like a super mad scramble to try and like replace all that gear in, in one week. But I mean, it, it would have eventually been okay, but, but, uh, Man, and speaking for like when you do those insurance claims, like you have to actually go buy all that stuff before mm-hmm. they pay you, Daniel. So like, like you got to have your credit card ready to put tens of thousands of dollars of yeah. you know debt on it, and then yeah, and then they pay you, and you're you're not even sure if you're gonna like make the next like bill cycle, right? Like by the time you actually get paid for it, you might have you're you're you know either paying it down or. It's not exactly like the parachute we all hope it would be, but it's better than nothing, that's for sure. Yeah, you would not. List, I haven't had to make that, a claim yet, so I'm lucky. <laughs> that essentially led to you all being friends. How long ago was that? The three years ago, two years ago, like two and a half. Yeah, yeah. like two and a half years ago. Yeah, cool. yeah. And then you're awesome. you you know you've done all this cool photography stuff. And wait, but first of all, can I say congrats on your latest shoot that you just talked about? Oh yeah. Yeah. The, uh, so I, I, uh, I was lucky enough to shoot a campaign for the North face. That's right. That's which, super red. I mean, a year ago before this ever happened, if you would yeah. have asked me to name like my top three dream clients, North face would for sure be in there. And like yeah. the fact that I actually got to do it is a little bit of a dream come true. Do you have to like How not tell that... anybody you're doing it until it's done? No, I can like winning money on a game show. I can tell people, but like, I couldn't, I couldn't post any specific things on like Instagram or, sure. or anything like that. But yeah. like, yeah, my friends and family knew, but as far as like social media, like I didn't say anything until, until after it was over. And then yeah. of course you got to wait till all the images come out and are already being used before then you can put them on your social media. Yeah. So in in a way, yeah, I kind of had to keep it a secret, but yeah. Dave, if that's a dream job, how did you make that happen? How did it come about? Oh boy, let's see. I how did that happen? Oh, I got a call from a producer in Denver that I know. And uh she had been hired to be the producer on this on this campaign before anybody else. And so she's the one that then assembles the team. Um, so she had reached out to me and two other, actually, I think she ended up reaching out to three other photographers because that's typically how this works. Um, usually campaigns are triple bid, which means they reach out to three different photographers, look at their work. Uh, usually the photographers will then send in an estimate, um, you know, of what it's going to cost. And then uh, they take all of that into consideration. They talk with the clients, they talk with the ad agency that's usually um, directing the shoot. And then that's how they, they come up with their, with their, their choice. So yeah, it it came through a producer that I know. Wow. An interesting uh, world. That's like a kind of an interview process or a DF um you have to kind of guess, sell yourself if you have to pitch yourself to, oh, yeah. you know, you're, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Seems like there's like a crazy amount of networking that has to be involved all the time. 
Yeah. It's true. There is. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm self-admittedly not a very good networker. Like I, you I have tend an amazing to, client list. Like I was, I didn't, I, there's only half of your clients that are probably, and the, the, you had listed on your website. You've lift, you've worked for some incredible companies. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I've been really lucky. Like it feels, feels good. <laughs> Do you think the luck is, is preceded by your number one, your talent and hard work. And then number two, like being a likable guy that, you know, helps, helps people and talks to folks. I like to think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, you know, it, it ultimately it, it boils down to the work I think. Yeah. And, um, which I, you know, I beat myself up about that all the time. You know, I go in these spirals where I'll be online and I'll looking at up, be looking at everybody else's work and, and it's just, there's just so many good photographers out there. And I'm just like, what am I even doing? You should just hang it up. Like everybody's better than you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. That's just. That's I'm checking just... out a little bit of your work. One thing that I noticed that I hadn't seen as much of is uh, you seem like you have a real joy um, of, of creating images and playing with light. Um, yeah in a way that I hadn't really noticed. I just, it was really nice to, to see that and that joy comes through in, in a sort of like playfulness and attentiveness, maybe. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I feel like I, yeah, I do. I love to experiment and think of new yeah. lighting scenarios and way to do ways to do things. And um, I think in one, it, it's a double-edged sword in that, um, I mean, a lot of photographers, you know, they just have their style and they have their one way of lighting and their one way of shooting. And they're very predictable and reliable in that sense, which is great. Um, but for me, I kind of feel like my my lighting and subject matter is all over the place. So. Was that because you have a curiosity? Yeah, for sure. I do. Yeah. I get so I get bored really easily. And yeah. then I always want to I always want to be trying things and making new things. And yeah. um, and so, yeah, I'm just I'm just always like trying to think, like, what's a new way to do something? What would be a fun experiment yeah. to try? And uh, but when you were when lockdown first type. happened, um, when locked at first love that lockdown first happened, you were, I think, stuck in like your place with your fiance at the time and on the future Girl, girlfriend at the time girlfriend yeah. at the time yeah and you started to produce like this stuff that looked i mean it looked like catalog work it was really good like really Thanks. special not even catalog that's the wrong way advertisement it looked like real ad yeah. work like floating objects in space with your painting with light and doing all kinds of yeah. fun yeah, elements yeah. with that that was really special yeah i don't do yeah a whole lot of product stuff mm-hmm. and so you know after the lockdown happened and everybody was like at their most uh cautious i couldn't really shoot people and that's usually what i shoot you know and uh so i was just like well i'll just experiment with shooting some products Mm -hmm. and so i took the things that i had maybe like a few things that i had just bought like i had just bought a new pair of uh bluetooth headphones and i was just like all right i'm gonna photograph these Mm -hmm. and then i bought a pair of shoes and i was like all right i'm gonna photograph these and uh i was also doing a lot of work for otterbox at the time mostly uh lifestyle stuff but then i took all the cases and i was like all right i'm gonna shoot all these cases Mm -hmm. and uh yeah i just played around with product stuff and it was really fun 
um, product is actually really soothing for me mm. because usually when I'm shooting, I'm shooting with people out in either nature or in a, you know, in a urban setting, just there's so many variables, you know, the light is a variable, the, the, the weather is a variable, whether you're going to get kicked out by the cops is a variable. There's so many variables. The the people themselves are big variables. Like, have they shot before? Do they, are they comfortable on camera? Um, you know, if it's like a action uh, sports, you know, athlete, like, are they going to be able to land the trick? Um, so many variables, but whereas with like product photography in a studio, it's just like, all right, I control everything. I control the light. I control the product. You know, it's, it's, did you get your start in action sports? Is that where yeah. I started skating? Well, actually, originally I got my start shooting model portfolios. And uh, that's what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to be like a, a fashion photographer. Hmm. And I even had plans to move to New York City and like be a fashion photographer in New York. And um, so I had been assisting uh, for a few years on mostly like catalog shoots. Um, the guys I worked for, we did a lot of work for like Eddie Bauer, hmm. a lot of work for like Champion, um, just a lot of catalog stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, so that's what I was going to do. And then, um, <laughs> and then, uh, before, before I made the move to New York city, I figured I was going to go up to Frisco, Colorado, which my mom and dad and I built a house there. And I was like, well, I'm just going to live in the house, not pay any rent for like six months. And I'm just going to shoot a little snowboarding on the side to make some money to move to New York with. And um, once I started shooting the snowboard and I had been snowboarding like my, my entire life, I knew it inside and out. Mm. I studied, you know, snowboard magazines when I was a kid and like, I, I, you know, I just, I really knew the sport well. And, um, so I, I started shooting snowboarding and never quit. <laughs> Yeah. And I found out that, uh, that I was a lot better at shooting that. Like my, my fashion work was pretty so, so it was, it, it wasn't, bad but it was nothing uh nothing noteworthy but my my snowboarding stuff i didn't have to try too hard and and um you know i could get stuff in magazines pretty easily hmm. what were you about to say daniel uh i just remember reading on one section of your website that uh there was some specific thing that you felt you didn't do very well with fashion um that it wasn't an issue with with the other thing I, I was just looking it up see if i could see what it was okay it sounded like you knew like you knew your kind of knew what subject would bring out your strengths to some extent yeah yeah and as it was also you know like i was a bit of a product of my environment because i i grew up in colorado i lived in colorado my entire life up until just a couple of years ago and and um yeah denver's not a real uh fashion hub as I think everybody you know, knows. Dave, Dave, I wanted to go back to something you said before um, about uh, being very, very experimental and um, maybe other artists have, uh, photographers have chosen some of their stylistic, uh, technical, um, they've made choices there and maybe stuck to them. It sounds like it's more important for you to experiment and change it up. And then that might lead to not having a distinct style yeah um i i've been experiencing something a little similar in the in my where i'm at with my writing career huh? okay Be, 
because there's so many uh, directions you can go into to write just one scene, right? Uh-huh. And you can write the same what happens in one scene in several different genres, right? Well, let's say you choose a genre, well, then you can express that scene in several different ways within that one genre. Mm-hmm. And um, I do find it to be an interesting uh, subject as an artist. I'm curious what you think about this, Ronald, too to start to make those choices to allow yourself time to not make them and to experiment and just exploring that subject, I think is, is a pretty interesting, I I think that's an interesting point in an artist's life to come up with some answers there, but then like you're pretty deep in your photography uh, career and you're still experimenting. It sounds like, and I'm figuring it out every day. You know what I mean? It's just, (laughs) what do you think about that? Or Ronald too? I think I'll start. But I'm I've been writing for myself for a long time, on and off, and there's definitely a distinct like thumbprint to my writing. And and then when I started showing people my writing, a lot of folks were like, "I can see what you're trying to do, but I, I'm also deeply confused by just your <laughs> your inability to punctuate." <laughs> and. And uh, because my brain, even as even if I read it out loud, I was like adding, punctuating, punctuation, and editing all these like pauses and and effects that my brain is saying. You know, I'm I'm hearing it, but as people write it, it's a different experience. Or read it, it's a different experience. So I've had to like learn how to write differently, and I'm also using a lot of experiment on how I'm doing that and. And I'm getting a little lost in it, to be honest, but I'm also glad to be exercising it because I'm, I'm realizing what I'm, I have to have a broader appeal in some ways, but I also have to just t- t- try things. There's some things I'm just never trying because I was too afraid to try it. And, and I mean, that's my very limited experience with <laughs> people seeing my stuff. So uh, this is. Or I guess what I'm, what I'm speaking to is making ch- no, I, it's what I'm saying. Uh, speaking to is making choices mm. as a as an artist and as a creator. And um, at what point in time do you make some of those big choices and just stick to them mm. and go deep with some of those directions? Yeah, I wouldn't be able to speak to that and at all. Just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know because you haven't made any choices yet. <laughs> yeah, not creatively, not that way. I think all the time, like, what if I had just like chosen something? 20 years ago and just like really that's what i'm talking laser focused on it like what what could i be doing right now i mean you know but but the thing the thing that you've chosen is to be more experimental and you maybe you maybe you've gone deep in that that itself is a choice right yeah that's true i've never thought of it that way yeah i yeah and in so so many ways i'm like you know kind of dabble my fingers in a ton of different things, you know, outside of photography. And I, it just makes me wonder, like, I feel like I know just enough about a ton of things to get myself in trouble. And, yeah. uh, I identify with that <laughs> yeah. very well. And I'm just, I, I just feel like I'm, whatever I've got my hands in, I'm, I'm always just figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've never, I've never quite got it. I've never, got anything quite figured out i'm always 
figuring it out as I go. And then by the time I get it figured out, I'm bored with it. And then I move on to something else that I don't know about. And then I'm back at square one, which, you know, again, this is, I think maybe that's a skill. <laughs> this is, yeah, this is kind of a value, uh, surrounds, hits a couple of values of mine personally. Um, you're in your forties. I, it's at, yeah. at most like you're a young guy. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> well, that's what Debatable. I'm talking about. Though, like, if you look at your life from the perspective of being 80, you know, which yeah. most of us will survive to about that, you, you're you're in your 30s and 40s right now. That statement, right, right there, from that perspective, would be true. Mm-hmm. From that self, you are you are young, um, and there's decades to go. Right. This is how I look at my life, and mm-hmm. I'm a proponent of of this because it's a little bit of a I think it's sad and it, it, that people think they're old when they're in their 40s and 50s and even 60s. I heard a story one time about a lady who got involved. She was 80 years old and she got involved in, a, in some, some uh, um, niche of anthropology. Hmm. And by the time she died, she was a worldwide expert and leader in that niche. And she started when she was 80. No kidding. So I don't think that it's... It's ever, I don't, I'm not going to say it's never too late, you know, like 80s probably <laughs> very much pushing it, but man, anyone in their forties is like, God, I just didn't. It's like, yeah, you need to do it. You know? Yeah. In my opinion. Cause you got decades, yeah. especially in, you know, especially some of these things we're interested in. It's like, you can shoot until how, how old, like, you know what I mean? You can, I don't know. I, I do see it a lot. Like photographers that were good in like the nineties, like. They're still kicking around, but I don't know. They kind of they got stuck in their '90s style, and I would imagine it could be it could be really tempting if you find a winning combination at a certain point in history. Yeah, right. Like where it's like this style speaks to a certain thing that's happening in our time, and then you get stuck there. I mean, I mean you know, it's hard to move on. I think though, there's like you know. I've read a lot and there's certain writers where it's, it's like of that time. Like Steinbeck is of that time. Kerouac is of that time, but it's also, uh, it's stood the test of time. Like you can go back to it and, and realize it's, there's a lot of freshness to to it, even though we don't speak those ways anymore. But I, I would imagine photography would be one of those things where it's like, you've got to evolve. And maybe that's, that's your secret secret that you've been uh didn't realize you had is that you are evolving you're not getting stuck in a you know yeah a crystal pepsi moment and and (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh so i mean that's that's the only reason i'm confidently writing right now is that i'm like i am gonna be you know putting words on paper till i'm dead Mm -hmm. um so i'm just gonna give myself the permission to get good really slowly yeah and and hopefully and my best cool. days are like 10 years from now or something. Like yeah. That, 20 years. It's also cool how different things connect and combine. Cause like I had this ex- in pretty amazing experience. I was sharing with Ronald a couple weeks ago. I was in LA uh, visiting family and I was leaving after about a week or two. And I did one of those Uber ride shares. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the guy, the person who was, I was sharing with was a screenwriter and you could just tell that this guy had his shit together. You know, he was yeah. solid. He'd, he'd told me a couple of things that he'd done and he was on his way. And just the calm, cool, collected, very articulate, you know, it was just really neat to meet this guy. And he told me, he goes, don't be a dilettante, you know, 
be very careful of being a dilettante because it'll take you nowhere. And he was pretty adamant about that. So I looked up the word dilettante, essentially meaning you get good at stuff. (laughs) I was just writing it down because I don't know what it means either. (laughs) I didn't either. It's good though. It's essentially like, you know, enough about something to look like, you know, about it. Um, And you, and he even said this, and this is the part that got me, Dave. He goes, some of the best guitar players I know are dilettantes. They just, they, mm. they've taken it to a place, but they could go so much further and make it, make it something real. And I was like, interesting. You can get really good at something and still be just a sort of like, it's a, it's like a hobby, but you, you can tell you want it to be more than a hobby, but you're treating it like a hobby. And so I, that just stuck with me so much. So is he, so were you guys talking in the context of like, becoming professional writers because i think yeah, there's like yeah. okay okay because i think some folks like let them fucking be a really good guitar player that you know no, no, no. and this was part of your your discussion yeah, yeah. and my discussion too if you want something to be a hobby call it call, it call a, a hobby be a hobby yeah it's a hobby yeah. and that's great and you could do something you, yeah totally this was like you want to get good at something you want to go deep yeah be careful of uh you know humming birding around doing a bunch of things to a certain point because this is what I've done. I know Ronald, you said, and then Dave, you were speaking to this. That's great. But at some point in time, the choices need to be made. And then those things that you've hummingbirded, this is just my opinion, that you've tasted and gotten good at and made five, 10 year careers out of maybe even, I think at a certain point where we all are kind of in our age and experience, instead of it being for me, instead of it being like, oh, I never made a choice. It's like, no, now it's time to make a choice and look what I have to choose from. Look at the combinations of things that I can go deep with. Because mm-hmm. it sounds, for me, looking at your like Instagram and stuff, man, you've, you, you're like pretty into a couple different things, right? Like you've been skate, skating for a long time. Yeah, yeah. I've been, Is that right? And then biking yeah. and you like ride. Oh my God. Yeah, so yeah, I've been skateboarding since like the late 80s. And uh, I was never super good at it. I I don't know. Back in the nineties, I could hold my own. <laughs> suck now, but um, <laughs> I mean, I try and ride bikes every day, and I ride all every kind of bike. My favorite is mountain biking. I, I downhilling is my super favorite. I love riding trails. Wow. I love riding like doing desert rides. Like I just love every kind of mountain biking, and then I love. <laughs> Road biking and gravel riding, um, more gravel because I'm I'm really scared of getting hit by cars. So I <laughs> I really like uh, gravel roads and like single single trail and uh, bike paths. And then that um, just sounds like a bunch of fun stuff. It is BMX. <laughs> oh god, dude! I got a I, I grew up BMXing and then I got a, a a BMX again a couple of years ago, like a new one that's that's uh, super fun. I take that to the parks and carve around and dude, BMXing is so much fun. <laughs> Like just bikes in general are so much fun. That I see what's funny is I'm scared of bikes. I'm totally scared of bikes. What? Like I I started road road riding in my late teens mm-hmm. and got uh, flattened. Got like fell over going through an intersection. My tire got pinched in a seam in the oh. concrete Ooh. and just like splatted. <laughs> like 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 ripped through all my clothes. I was like in you know the full regalia. And it just shredded like belt sander through all my clothes. Uh, they had to I had to go to the hospital. and They had to scrape out the the grime and the gravel out of my open wounds. And uh, and then later oh, I did get hit by a car. Like I got uh, mm. a truck was trying to like see how close he could get to me, and a and his rearview mirror broke on my shoulder. No. Yeah. 
What yeah, do you mean yeah. he was seeing how close he could get to you? He was fucking with us. Like fucking he, with you? Yeah, oh, yeah. He was like actually dick. trying to be a dick, yeah. I had some Fuck Hells Angels that. do that to me last year in Fresno. I was doing a ride, and I could hear him coming up behind me. And I don't know what it was in my head. I was just like, these guys are going to be assholes. I don't know why. Yeah. And huh. sure enough, they <laughs> got as close as they fucking could to me. And, of course, as soon as they passed me, they rev their engines yeah. super loud, try and scare me. And... Like it didn't scare me, but I was just fuming. I was just like, well, you know, what if I, do, what if I had to yeah. like oh, yeah. miss yeah. like a something in the road, and, and you guys just took me out at you know going fifty. Like, and then I did get hit by a car. Well, actually, I hit the car a few years ago on my bike. I t-boned a car. I don't remember it though. I got knocked out, and uh, I think Dana's I don't remember the similar similar experience. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, man. In, um, one year ago, I had an, or less oh. than a year ago, eleven months. It's crazy, actually. This is one of the most bizarre experiences I've ever had. Left a restaurant, had a couple martinis, feeling good, headed to a dance. My car had broken down on the way to the restaurant. And so I had jammed back to my house and ridden my bike instead of driving, right? Mm -hmm. But I was going to a dance after the restaurant, like a partner dance. So I was going to this blues dance after the restaurant. Had a couple martinis. Changed my clothes, like got into my, my like the, all these new clothes I just bought like a couple days ago. And I, and then, um, and then I woke up in my room in the morning covered in blood with a massive head wound and I could barely move my arm. Remembered nothing. And you didn't like nobody called the ambulance or anything? I don't have no idea what happened. Oh my God. I don't even remember. I don't remember leaving the restaurant. I don't remember getting changed. I just know that I was in new clothes. I don't remember getting home. I don't remember anything. My bike was home with me. It was a little dinged up. Uh, fractured my skull, two orbital bone fractures, three staples in my head, torn rotator cuff, torn oh room, and wounds all down the right side of my Dude. Wow. You, it was wow. a game changer. I, was like, okay. I don't think you've ever told me that out loud. I'm kind of I'm like, holy shit, it's a miracle you're here, dude. I Talk, know. I know. And you know what's crazy? Check this out. Two things. I took a selfie on my way home after Black. You don't Black remember it? Out. I was like three or four weeks later, I was scrolling through my phone and found a selfie of myself. Oh my wow. I gotta oh, see that. I got Are you it. sure you, you got hit by a car? Like or maybe did if you? I had to guess. I think I fell. I think I okay. Because I was I gonna say, like, helmet on. If the drive, I didn't have a helmet on either when I got hit. Yeah. But the driver, you know, they. It was somebody pulled in front of me. I was jam. I was trying to build speed to get up this hill, and uh, this driver was making a right turn on red, so he was looking left to see if any cars were coming, and I was on the right. And this is yeah, actually a spot that. in Denver because normally you know, bikes are supposed to be riding on the other side of the road, but this is a spot in Denver where the bike path actually is part of the sidewalk and you have to ride oh, on the mm-hmm. left side. Oh. So yeah, he was looking left. I was coming from the right and I was trying to build speed to get up this hill. And, um, again, I don't remember it, but he pulled out in front of me and I T-boned him and went flying over the hood. You know, uh, another note on that thing for me, uh, we, you know, this podcast called Cutting for Sign, right? So you get kind of like signs in your life and then mm-hmm. you read them and you make action. So that that bike crash was a ma- massive one of those for me. I ended up changing my entire life. I live wow. in a different state because of that. I have a mm-hmm. painting career now because of that. No way. 
I have so many pieces of my life together because of that. It was such a major fuck up and so close to death or something that would, you know, just permanently ruin my life uh, or make it very, very difficult. It was, it was an amazing thing in the end. Wow. Where, where, where were you living before? In Portland. Oh, okay. Wait, where are you now? In California, Northern California. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. 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 Wait, where in Northern California? Uh, Chico, you know, Chico. It's a couple hours north of San Francisco, hour north okay. of SAC. Okay. Yeah, so it's you're a little oasis. Right, right. Cool <laughs> town. I like it. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I'm just it's, south it's a, of you. Yeah, where, wait, where are you? I'm in Fresno right now. Oh. <laughs> Beautiful Fresno. Jeez, I forgot about that. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was crazy. When I got hit by the car, like, I don't remember it. I, I vaguely remember being in the hospital and my... Oh. Ex at the time, um, you know, she tells me this story that when I was in the hospital, I was actually in the same room as a prisoner who I, I can't remember why he was there, but he was handcuffed to his bed and he was in there <laughs> screaming and yelling. And, um, oh my gosh, he ended up going, having a seizure and was like flipping and flopping and they had to intubate him and all this stuff. And I don't remember I don't remember any of it. I don't remember anybody being in the other room, but my ex was like, dude, you were cracking jokes and saying like, oh, I'm not having as bad of a night as that guy. And Talking shit to the prisoner? I guess. I don't even remember a prisoner. Here's one thing I'm, here's one thing I'm super proud of though that night. Okay, so after I got hit by the car, I, I vaguely remember this. I was like, okay, I need to text my girlfriend to let her know where I'm at so she can like come down here. So me with my super duper concussion, blood everywhere, everything. I started texting her. So I have a journalism degree and I'm a self-admitted unapologetic grabber snob. And so I, uh, in my super whacked out state, I was texting my girlfriend at the time and then about halfway through, the nurse was like, all right, here, just give me your phone and I'll finish the text and, and send it to your girlfriend. I was like, okay. <laughs> so then like two days later, I'm looking at the text and my portion of the text in my messed up state is perfect. And then once the nurse gets a hold of it, it just goes all the hell. <laughs> like no punctuation, misspelled words. It was awful. And I was just like, it made me really proud that, you know, even, even at my lowest, even yeah. with a massive head wound, I can still <laughs> formulate perfect grammar. That's the, it's the second time we've uh, second one in a row where we've had someone on who has ref had, they've referenced their own Im- impeccable texting style. Our last, <laughs> you remember, you know what I'm talking about, Ron? No. Dennis. Yeah. Dennis. Dennis got, it's the same story. Dennis, our last guy, uh, I guess he got roofied. And Whoa. he um, and he was like talking about how he knew he was really uh, and I, I say roofied as a catch all. I don't know. He was drugged and he knew he was drugged because he had hardly imbibed anything. But what hit made him know it is that he was texting all fucked up. And he's like, I never have. You know, I always text perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such a fat finger texture that like misspelled words are just like shooting in going underneath like it's. <laughs> I'm a terrible speller. I'm a terrible speller. Daniel's Daniel. I feel bad for reading what I write in our writing group. He's like, what the, <laughs> what is this 
Doing. <laughs> Run your spell check, bro. That thought has gone through my head several times. <laughs> well, what'll happen is it'll you don't spell even have check to it. spell it right, man. It'll spell it, but it'll it'll like my spelling's so bad it'll like think it's a different word than it, right. <laughs> that it should be. Right. Do you know like go back and do like a little once over before you hit Fuck, Thank no. you, Dave. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Right. I'm like I'm like, man, I only indented four spaces on that instead of five. I'm such a lazy bastard. And Ronald's yeah. like, fucking, uh, it's probably the right Those word. Word salad. <laughs> I'm like, just um, every time I think of writing, I think of Kerouac eating like meth lozenges on a, a typewriter with a roll of paper that's just like. Yeah. What do the real writers say about that? They out. say that's not writing. That's typing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a great typist. <laughs> I'm just, and you know, the thing is, uh, Dave, is this is the funny part of the end of this little banter with Ron is that is that when he first started turning stuff in, I I would like my I would start twitching over some of his like gr- grammatical and formatting stuff, but the actual things that he was writing, the story that he's telling, was fucking awesome, and yeah. everyone loved it, and That's it really counts. like made me realize how how backwards my priorities were, you know, right. Yeah, that's what grammar can be learned, but yeah, but yeah, hopefully, what's, <laughs> what's b- beneath? Not so much. Yeah, uh, I was going to ask you also about um, one of the interesting things about your yours and I friendship, Dave, is uh, is we've been pretty um, open about relationships in our in our world. Like we've talked a lot about our relationships and one yeah. of the things that I've been able to see witness in you is you were in a long-term relationship. Yeah. And Daniel, I talk about relationships with everybody. And so we're, we're always interested in just hearing how people do relationship yeah. and, and yeah. how they do romance and how they just choose to do any of it. And, and, and my, I want to preface this with saying like, I'm no expert. We don't claim to be experts on relationship. I view them with a lot of curiosity and and excitement because i think everyone is um it feels good to be in relationship it feels good to to have somebody who's mirroring your world in a way that is both amplifying the good in your world and also assisting you right like they like they they see some of your blind spots that help you in a lot of profound ways they can anyway and i remember is it okay? By the way, I'm going to ask you right now. Is it okay if I start to ask you some questions about certain things? We'll leave names yeah. out. We'll leave names no, out, sure. and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll self-edit if we'd have to. You can give yeah. me like a little sign, like you, like like an ear pull means shut up, and the oh. nose is like green light. Like, oh. so uh, I'm an you, open book. Okay, so um, I'd say a little over. It doesn't really matter the timeline. At a certain point, you start to tell me that you're going through a hard time. I don't even want to say a hard time. Just at a time when you're like, I don't think this relationship is for me anymore. I'm talking about your ex. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I remember hearing in your voice, like, one, number one, a real respect and affection for her still. Yeah. Like there, there wasn't a time where you were like, that terrible person, uh-uh. awful woman is, you know, I'm getting out of here. Like, there was a lot of cognizant decision making with real respect and and like dignity in that mm-hmm. and i and i remember thinking like that's that's unusual because i think a lot of times when people get to a breakup in their life the resentment is the icebreaker the plow that is pushing ahead in their decision making and in their uh choices yeah 
and you didn't have that. What? Why didn't you have that? I I've never really had that. I, really? No. Like uh, I feel like I've been really lucky in like all of my past relationships that that I mean they've been really wonderful gals, and you know it. Things didn't work out, but I don't. It's never been something that I was like mad at them about. Um, and so it's, it's, it's even been like an issue in a, quite a few relationships is that I, I still want to like be friends with my exes because just because things didn't work out romantically doesn't mean that they're not like a really fantastic person. Yeah. And for me, like, I'm not a jealous person. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm just not jealous. And so for me to talk to an ex doesn't feel, um, doesn't feel weird or disrespectful in, to me yeah. because I know like, well, I don't have feelings for this person anymore. And they're just like, you know, they're a good friend. I spent a ton of time with this person. I know them really yeah. well. They're a great friend. And, but you know, I've had relationships where it's like, I, and I can, I can see how that could make somebody feel strange and, and, and a little off. It, it can be a little off putting, you know? Sure. Um, for you, for your, you mean like to no, for the for your for girlfriend, the current, current person yeah, that I'm right, with, right, right, right. Um, but anyway, yeah. As as far as my ex goes, she's she's an awesome person. I still, oh, I, wait, I've, David, I've always respected her. Real quick, uh, if we can go back to that, uh, do you do you like value having those relationships? Uh, oh yeah, connection still, and then make it make that do you communicate that to your current partner and be like hey there's nothing to be threatened by here but i want these relationships do you how does that work yeah um we do i i I try and keep it to a minimum though um you know instead of uh yeah you know i try and be respectful of of my current relationship and i try and keep it to a minimum but um you know just just a couple of days ago actually I, i haven't talked to my ex since i got married and it's been like four or five months and um i was just you know i want to i want to i hope she's doing well and and i was and i so i asked uh bryn my wife i was just like you know would you mind if i called called michelle and just see how she's doing and and catch up and she's like yeah sure that's fine um but we we just left it at that and you know i i try not to push it and i try not to you know like i said i i try to be respectful and i i I don't want to make it into a bigger deal than, than it should be. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I could see, I, I could see a, um, someone like we all have to find our, I'm very similar to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have been with a really uh, amazing w- women and, and I'm friends with all of them and I value those friendships and I'll actually explore those friendships more than just, you know, maybe calling them up, you know, for, for me, I'm not, I'm not in like a, a monogamous relationship with someone, but even if I were in the last one that I was in, I always made it a point to be like, Hey, these people are in my life. And you know, to what extent are you comfortable with that? And, and I, Ronald and I, and when, when Morgan Ronald's wife was on, we got into both times we had discussions. We were talking about how important it is for us at least to diversify our, the, the sort of platonic female um, relationships mm-hmm. from just uh, our partner. And 
Um, I understand that different people have different desires and needs and wants, but it is interesting to hear how you navigate that having been so close with your past partners and caring about them and being on good terms, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I try to be on good terms. (laughs) 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 Well, we'll see. (laughs) I mean, some people I think thrive, I don't know if the the word thrive is the right word, but they definitely like seem to want to stay in a heightened dramatic state with an ex. Like there's like a box that the, they suddenly have that person in that is only dramatic. That is only negative. And they want to keep them there. Mm. And And I don't, you know, I don't I really have an opinion of that. It's just an observation. Like, I try not to do the same thing. I try to keep, I try to allow people outside of my own expectations as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, so Bryn, you guys met uh, online, right? Like, well, like most normal couples do these in, days. Interesting story <laughs> about that. Um, so again, this is a longer story, but for, for two years, I, I lived on the road. Uh, with my ex in a 40-foot travel trailer, and we traveled all over the Western United States. We're, 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 we're both freelance, so we could work from anywhere. And so a few years ago, we decided, let's buy a trailer and just travel the country and, and just live everywhere and work everywhere. Yeah. And so we were doing that, and that's actually how I met Ron, is because we were in Portland for oh, a few weeks or a month. And um, anyway, after the, uh, after the relationship had ended, we, we came back to Colorado and um we were we were living in Colorado, kind of figuring out our our stuff, you know, and um you know, still being friends, still being close, um still trying to figure out you know life being single, and um she just wasn't having a good time in Colorado. she's not from Colorado originally, she's from um idaho, and uh she just wasn't having a good time in Colorado. Didn't feel at home. Didn't feel comfortable. And one of our, one of our favorite places that we stayed over the past few years was Marfa, Texas. And oh, uh, that's a unique place. I know a little bit about that Marfa's place. Great. I love Marfa. Well, well, it's a weird spot. On it. Yeah. What's that? They did a great little um, um, a show on it. It was like a one season show, and I forgot what it was called. But I love Dick with Kevin Bacon. Yes, 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 that's such good yeah, show. Good. Which what's what's funny is um, my ex Catherine Hahn is kind of her doppelganger. Not so really. yes, <laughs> that's funny. Anyway, um, so anyway, she was like, "Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really unhappy here, and I want to go to Marfa," and I was like okay cool i support you like go to marfa like i I think that sounds really good for you and she's like but i i want to go live in the trailer in marfa and the trailer was in colorado and i was like oh i was like that would mean that i would have to because i own the truck that pulls the trailer so i was like well that means i would have to tow the truck to marfa (laughs) which is a two-day thousand mile drive and then i would have to come back and then when you're done living in Marva, then I got to drive down to Marva again, another <laughs> thousand miles and drive back. And I was just like, dude, that's like, I don't want to do that. That's crazy. Well, anyway, she, she, uh, she persisted and I, th- I finally gave in. I was like, all right, fine. I'll take you to Marva. So anyway, I had just gotten back onto like a dating, dating sites like the week prior or whatever so as we were going through santa fe new mexico to get to marfa i hopped on tinder and um 
ended up matching with somebody there and I didn't notice it until I got to Texas. And then I was kind of going through my matches and I noticed that I'd matched with this girl back in Santa Fe. So I sent her a message and I said, Hey, I'm going to be, I'm down in Texas right now, but I'm going to be swinging back through Santa Fe in a couple of days. If you'd like to grab a drink or something. And she said, yeah, sure. in a relationship. No, 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 no. My ex and I were already broken up, but I was towing her to go live in Texas in my trailer. You're such a kind human, man. <laughs> well, anyway, I know, I know, I'm a sucker. Um, but anyway, yeah. So towing my ex to Texas, I matched with with a gal in Santa Fe, and then on the way back through, that we sounds like out. a that sounds like a verse of country great. song. Yeah, <laughs> towing my ex through Texas, like a modern, my ex a real modern Texas. country song. Dude, I like that. <laughs> so in my ex through Texas. I'm calling Orville Pack. We're going to make this song. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, on the way back through Santa Fe, I uh, I met up with this gal that I matched with, and we uh, we met for, I was staying at the El Rey uh, Motor motor Inn or whatever, yeah. which is like my favorite little hotel in in uh in santa fe and we met at the bar there which is called lorena got a drink and um ended up just talking for like four or five hours and man i was like i was smitten right away yeah oh god the first time i saw her i was just like oh you're actually cuter than your pictures which (laughs) that's pretty rare (laughs) always a nice surprise yeah and so So, um, and that's and that's your wife now that's how you know your wife yeah that's a good story yeah we just we clicked right away and and uh it was just instant connection and like boy i liked her and luckily she liked me back and um yeah i went back to colorado and she was actually so she's not from santa fe she's from california and she was there for a residency like an artist's residence which one which one is she at oh Um, cool i don't know i have to ask i can't remember the name of it I, I don't know if it's true or not, but the but when I lived in Santa Fe and I sold um I sold hot like high end handmade rugs there. Okay. And uh at the time this was a this would have been in the mid two thousands. The local artists their claim was that Santa Fe was the third largest art market in the country. Uh-huh. It was New York, San Francisco, and then Santa Fe. Oof. Wow. And um <clears throat> I don't know how they quantified that, but but there was a ton of art that was sold or out of yeah. those places, man. Crazy amounts of art. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, now you see Meow Wolf, which you haven't been to yet. Which Dude, is... I, I didn't know what Meow Wolf was until you told yeah. me the other day. And if anyone's listening, they need to just search Meow Wolf. No. Wolf. D- Here's what I say. Do not search it. Do not go into it knowing what you're going into. It is so much better to go into it blind and just be completely surprised by it all. It looks hey, like I, just okay. trust me. Do it. Don't okay. don't Google well, it. Just go do it. The one in Santa Fe. I'm so I'm going to Santa Fe next week for my birthday and for our birthday. Um, our birthday. That's right. And Morgan. <laughs> I, I I hope it's open. I hope it's open. It's not. Yeah. God, they I haven't said it's really open yet or not. But hey, hey, Dave. Uh, yeah. I, I know we're like uh, we're kind of transitioning into the last. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, conversation. I was curious if you're, since we were talking about her, does she want to join us? We we kind of talked about that. Uh, yeah. Let me go. Let me go see if she, let me go see if she wants to jump on. Okay. Yeah. Give me one sec. Is there anything we want to like wrap up before that or? Well, uh, me yeah. and Ron will figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here, let me go grab her. It's easy. 
I'm unplugging. Can you hear me now still? Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 Wait, say something. Hey, can you hear us? Yeah, you're good. Okay. Uh oh. See, this is the thing. This is, we got to work have to out. edit how this to, part out. For some reason, to, I can't hear you. How to get the uh, fourth that? guest on. I know. <laughs> this, is a, this is a cutting for sign first. Having, yeah. Having a guest pop in. Multiple guests can get tricky. Can you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, we've heard you. How about time. now? Can you hear? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel, have you been to Santa Fe? I have not. I've heard my, really good. My problem is that it. I can't hear you guys for some reason. Oh, that's what it. We'll have her. We'll have her. That's all right. Somewhere. We'll do yeah. it again. We'll do it some other time. I mean, oh, it'll she, be a tease. She, she should have her own. She should have her own show anyway. She's yeah. She's an amazing. You know, I mean, I like to say she's kind of famous, but she's, she's a, a poet, right? You yeah, she's, she's a poet. Pretty well known poet. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, okay, that's we're, she, we're, she's we too humble to admit it, but like, what's her first and last name? Bryn Saito. Bryn Saito. Yeah. Now Saito you, uh, Lale. You shoot her a lot, right? Yeah. She, yeah. So last year during lockdown, I couldn't shoot anybody else. So I would photograph her. And yeah, I'd set up these little scenarios in the garage and she was a good sport. And she'd come out. And, have, you, have you ever combined her um, writing, like poetry with your photography in some way? We're trying to figure out how to do that right now. We're, mm. we it's super high on our list to collaborate on a project, but we're just trying to figure out what that's going to look like. What, what are your, what are like ideas you're kicking around? Oh, let's see. Um, we're thinking about just maybe doing like a little road trip. Uh, I got a job in Colorado next week, but as soon as I get back, um, we were thinking about doing a little road trip over to death Valley for a few days Mm. and just kind of soak it in and I'll bring cameras and, and, just play with some images and uh yeah i don't know we're yeah i don't know we're still figuring it out yeah i don't i we don't know what it's gonna look like yet and i was even thinking like we could do almost like kind of an exquisite corpse kind of thing where like maybe she writes something and then i Mm -hmm. photograph i make a photograph out of kind of what whatever that looks like to me Hmm. and then she could take that photograph and then maybe write something about it and then i can take whatever she wrote there and try and then you know represent that photographically and kind of do a little back and forth thing with that that's a a thought the russian dolls of of uh photo poetry collaboration Uh, yeah. It must be so satisfying being able to. Uh, do you, you, you seems like you both are pretty comfortable, because like I've seen those pictures. It's they're beautiful pictures. I mean, she's <laughs> physically very beautiful, and yeah, you know what you're doing oh, behind the camera, obviously. Yeah, uh, but like she's so she's really comfortable being shot. Uh, uh she's a good sport. <laughs> <laughs> are you comfortable ron when you get photographed oh hell no 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 i'm not <laughs> i think that's part of why you know my son you know my son has had a, a pretty decent little career as a handsome boy model and and um and sometimes the calls for work it will ask for a parent to be shot with the child and and i've had a few jobs and i'm pretty sure like what is that what movie was that with like i think will ferrell he's like getting photographed he's like i have no idea what to do with my hands he 
sticks his hands up. He's just holding them <laughs> like in front of his face. That's kind of how I feel in front of a camera. Like I'm like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know where to look. Like I always look cross-eyed. I don't know how to smile. I, yeah, that's why I like shooting action is because I don't have to tell people what to do. I'm just like, all right, jump in that direction. Yeah. And then I'll, that's, that's like all I got to do. I feel, I feel like a buffoon in front of a camera. I'm, that's, I think what's probably scared me from acting even like even trying to act um, on camera in particular, like I'm, I get very nervous. There's gotta be some tricks in the photograph in the photo world of things to think about or trick your brain into being present and not worrying about this or that. It'd be interesting to know that type of stuff. Some people, some people like have the ability to, to suddenly turn their chin in, in just a degree or two in one direction and then lift it up or down and then move their body. And suddenly they're like photogenic. And, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a skill. Like it's a real skill. I don't know how people do it, but they freaking do it. And it's, kind of amazing when when you yeah. see it happen yeah Dave, what what are you excited about these days like what's like really turning you on either about your work or about anything else going on in your life right um well one thing that i'm excited about right now is i started i started a side business last summer and so how that came about was so i still had my my 40 foot travel trailer and i was trying to sell it but i was having a hard time selling it because in the well, before the pandemic hit, I, I almost got it sold, but it didn't quite happen. And then after the, in the initial few months after the pandemic, everybody was like super afraid. Nobody was buying anything, you know, everybody's hoarding money. Mm. So I couldn't sell my trailer then. And so I ended up, so we went back to Colorado and I was going to try and sell it in Colorado, but, um, I went on a, I had a photo shoot. And for the photo shoot, the producer had rented like a, like a kind of a luxury porta potty kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh, for the crew to be able to use and not have to like go inside the businesses that we were shooting and then go in the people's houses that we were shooting and, and also to be able to wash your hands and stuff. And anyway, you know, I've, I've been a, shooting for 20 years and I've been in in and out of a lot of uh, location production vehicles, which a lot of times um, on photo shoots, when you're shooting on a location, you'll have like an RV that is kind of your home base. And so that's your bathrooms. That's where models change. That's where you go to get in out of the sun. It's where you eat lunch, stuff like that. And I had the thought like, wow, I could, my, my trailer, my trailer would make an amazing location vehicle. And so I got really excited about that. And I, I went ahead and I did it. I, I transformed the trailer into, I, I had the goal of making the greatest production location vehicle I'd ever seen or been in. And that's exactly what I did. So I took, uh, my uh my trailer's a, a, a fifth it's a um a toy hauler so it's got the garage area in the back mm. so what i did is i like kind of gutted the back area and i put in the hair and makeup station and then i put in there was these couches slash bed things that raised and lowered from the roof and i put in clothing racks on that so now it's got mm. adjustable clothing racks and then up in the front where the bedroom was i took that out and put in a bed and a monitor or to put in the bed, put in a desk and a monitor for the clients <laughs> and the, and for like digitechs and editors and stuff like that. Wow. And then the whole middle area got the kitchen and the couch and the TV. And so that's for like the, the, uh, the talent. So anyway, I, I, I did that and it's taken off. Like I, uh, is that based out of California or Colorado? Or, Colorado or anywhere? Yeah. Gotcha. No, 
Well, it's it's in Colorado, and I'm basically billing it as as to use in the in the Rocky Mountain region, which is yeah. Colorado, Utah, Wyoming, and Utah or, and uh, New Mexico. Yeah. Um. So yeah, uh, just by word of mouth, I got uh, three big gigs this last summer, and then tomorrow I fly back to Colorado to do a gig for Lexus. For it's a five day photo shoot for Lexus with the trailer, and then uh, it's looking like in another week after that, I got another job for VW. And uh, anyway, it's dude, it's so great. I just set up the trailer and then I make sure everybody's happy all day. I make every sure everybody has water and sunscreen and coffee and is warm or cool or whatever. And and then at the end of the day, I don't have two weeks of editing, I just get handed a check and I'm done. Like I bet that feels uh, like a huge relief compared to every time you're shooting going, God, is this it? Is like, am I capturing what did you be capturing? My whole life is like, you know, photography is so objective and, you know, I'm trying my hardest to get like the shot that the client wants. And then, you know, I don't nail it every time. Like I feel like I'm nailing it in the moment, but then, you know, a week later after I deliver the stuff, you know, there's a lot of times where it's like, well, well, did you get this or did you get that? I'm like, no. And they're like, did you have any other guy doing this? I'm like, no. Um, And so, yeah, it's like so subjective and it's, it's, I mean, it's mentally draining. It's just like, Oh God, it's just constant. Like, I mean, the production is mentally draining. The, the shooting is mentally and physically draining. The editing is draining, just like everything's draining. Whereas with the trailer, I just show up, set it up, make sure everybody's happy all day. I'm not racking my brain all day. And then I go home and I cash my check and I'm done. Do you think it'll give you more bandwidth to step back into whatever photography work that you have with a fresher kind of, uh, you know, reserve in your tank. And in other words, if you just feel like yeah. more freedom, exactly. you just have Absolutely. more bandwidth, right? Like just being able to clear that out probably helps a ton. Absolutely. Like this is kind of, man, I've got like, and I haven't even launched, like I haven't even advertised it yet. Like that's mm-hmm. coming. I'm going to launch the website and uh, do like an introductory email in March. But th- this right now it kind of feels like the closest thing I've ever had to a steady paycheck. Mm. Like it just kind of feels like guaranteed money's going to be there. Whereas with photography, yeah. like, I mean, and this is part of the reason that I get so down sometimes, but it's like, I, I mean, I can go six months without a single day of work sometimes. Yeah. And you know, that's when you start to really get down on yourself and, and nobody likes my work and I suck and blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, like that's what happened last year. I didn't have any work for like six months and then all of a sudden fall hit. And I was, dude, I had the busiest fall I've ever had in my life. And, uh, you know, dream client, others like that's just photography. It's crazy. Whereas with the trailer, yeah, I think it's going to kind of like relieve that, that panic of where's the money coming from. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, I think I'm going to be able to just kind of like relax and be a little more, I don't know. Just a little calmer in my in my shooting and my and my business nice. life, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's super interesting. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, back to back to Brynn, your wife. Yeah. And tell tell us about this. Like, how did you go from um, kind of knowing that the last relationship wasn't working out? Uh huh to knowing that this relationship has to work out. Like you, like, you're like, 
you know, like you weren't, you're, you're like, I'm all in on this. Like I, right. like what was going on in your body and your emotions, your nervous system, your brain, like what were the signals that you were picking up? You're like, this is it. This is like, I got to do this. Man, I, it just happened so naturally. Mm. Like, you know, I've always, I've had a lot of relationships where, you know, everything's great in the beginning and then kind of like cracks start to happen and you're, you know, I, I don't know. I suppose cracks start to happen fairly early. And, um, but still I would always push through and say like, okay, something's going to click and I'm going to, this is, I'm going to make this happen, you know, with the X's and, you know, I would, I would really try, I would really, really try to jam that, you know, square peg into the round hole is for, months and years even and um with Bryn it was just everything was just effortless it just came together she was just so easy to talk to um and one thing that really helped me too is in in my last relationship uh we did we did about a year and a half of relationship counseling which really helped I mean it helped it helped us then too but it really helped me set me up Mm. for this current relationship and just really taught me to communicate effectively and openly mm. and um yeah so and like you know i'm i don't have a lot to hide i i, I kind of wear my my emotions on my sleeve like in real life just all the time mm-hmm. and so I'm, I'm pretty honest with myself i'm pretty honest with the people around me and um bryn's very similar she's mm. she's super easy to talk to real easy to to she you know she's open um i think that was just a a really big thing was was Mm -hmm. being able to communicate and feel like i was being heard um a lot in my last relationship like when we would get into arguments or whatever i i i felt like i was doing my best to communicate but i i felt like everything that i was saying was either being kind of stored away as ammo for later Mm. or just wasn't being heard at all it was and and with Bryn, it's like I'm still surprised to this day. Like if we have like we don't have big arguments or anything ever. Um, but you know, if we have like some kind of a little difference, you know, I'm still not used to like when I say something, having it be having her taking it into consideration what I just said and thinking about it and saying, okay, like I'm just, I'm just not used to that yet. Um, so yeah, the, just the fact that she's such an excellent communicator, um, and is rational and reasonable. And, um, yeah, I think that was, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think there was just one single back, back to kind of like the main question there was, there was never like a single event or moment that I was just like where it just clicked and I was like this is the one um but I did kind of feel like very early on in the relationship I was like I I think this is I think I know where this is going and um that's great it's been a cool thing to witness I think that um I I mean at least on my Instagram feed I'm seeing a lot of ads for online counseling probably because I need it. <laughs> but I think what you said about learning to communicate, like that's a skill you actually learned. 
yeah. if you got somewhere and even though the that that therapy or coaching or whatever it was that you experienced like might have been to try to save that old relationship like really what you're doing is is learning skills to save yourself and learning skills to be in better relationship with yourself and that's yeah. only served you on i mean it, um if anyone's not gone to therapy or gotten counseling like everybody needs to go give it a couple couple of goes yeah it's really great there's a you know there's such a stigma around it that you only need to go if like you've got major problems going on in your life that you can't possibly figure out on your own yeah you know or it's it's there's a stigma that just like it's weakness or something but yeah totally man once you once you learn those communication skills yeah that's that's awesome yeah, I loved what you said earlier about being honest with yourself. I think that's something that people, at least I'll just speak about myself. I didn't realize how dishonest I had been with myself in the past. I And, and because I, I naturally tend to think like, oh, the best is going to work out. Or if I, you know, if I just want it bad enough, then the thing that I want will happen without the necessary actions to step into it. And I'll use a really stupid example of my own life recently and that was I, I was about to go up to the archery range it was snowed in so i knew i was going to need to hike up about a mile like in the snow uphill and i thought i should take water and i should take food and and i'm like no today i'm gonna somehow make it up there without being thirsty or hungry like somehow today's gonna be different and and, and so that was like, there's a, there in that idea, there was like an inherent dishonesty with myself. Like I, I thought somehow the laws of physics and, and anatomy and, and all those things like wouldn't apply to me that day. And I, and I was telling Daniel this story, like sometimes I just still lie to myself. Like, I don't know why I do it. I don't know what it is in me that I think's like, this time is going to be different. Uh, and I think that ability to be honest with yourself, like you were describing, is actually one of like the greatest gifts anyone can give ourselves is like being honest about our limitations, being honest about how we feel, being honest about our boundaries, being honest when like saying no when we want to say no, yeah. saying yes when we want to say yes. Like there's this part of us that's pushing down, suppressing the truth or our desires. Because we feel like if we if we admit that that's a problem, if I admit I'm going to need water and, and food after a big hike, then somehow I'm weaker or somehow I'm not as cool as I want to be. Right, <laughs> I don't, dude. You have no idea how much that resonates with me because I do the same thing. But it's just because like it's not that I'm not honest with myself. And it, here's what one thing that I am honest with myself yeah. is I'm not a planner. I'm a doer. Uh huh. And getting food and water involves planning. That's planning for the day. Yeah. Which I'm like, nope, I just want to go. Yeah. I'm just going to go do this. <laughs> and I am so guilty of doing exactly what you just described. I was like, <laughs> do it. I'm not a planner. Well, I got up there. I was like thirsty. It was, it was snowing. I'm trying to like pull my bow back and I'm shaking. Cause I'm like dehydrated and hungry watching my arrows like fly all over the place. And the, 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 the next day I went back specifically just so I could go prepared and shot way better. I was like, nice. Who knew? You, I think Who, you called me that when you, when you went back the second day. <laughs> so proud of myself. Cause that, yeah. Cause that's, that's like a pretty big thing I have to, uh, you know, uh, work on too is, 
prepping and the more you prep, my, my friend David and I talk about mise en place as a chef's term. It just means the preparation and a lot of chefs will say that the, the reason their food is so good is because of mise en place. You know, it doesn't have as much to do with what's done on that night. Obviously it's got tons to do with it, but the most important is that. And, you know, when Ron, Ron and I talk a lot about being able to be uh, like our fuller self or our best self, it's kind of in the, in the national, um, yeah, international, like people are all kind of talking about that, right. In a lot of circles. Um, and it seems like to me, like every little tool and, and, um, advantage you can get is supports maybe making a better decision that'll lead to, um, being able to do something more, like more you and more sustained for a longer time and fucking just feeding yourself and getting enough sleep. And often it's like, it's as simple as that. Big time. I, yeah. wonder, I wonder why it's so easy for us to neglect. It's almost like self-flagellation, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a curious thing. I don't know why we know when we like are aware of like our, what's coming that we still decide somehow it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I got mean, this. You know, what's funny is yesterday I got a, a call from a client. He sent me a, a video message and, and my first reaction was, Oh shit. He's about to tell me how I've ruined his life. Like, this is what I'm expecting. Jesus, Ron. And, uh, and well, you got dark quick. Oh, that's what, that's what my brain does. My brain is just like, oh, you fucked up. You've like, here it comes, here comes how you fucked up. I'll do up. that. I get an email from somebody. I'm like, oh God, this is going to be. And I, and I looked it up and it was him. It was him giving me his one year check-in and basically like my life is amazing. Like I, you know, just going on and on about how great his life is after working together. And I, when I was talking to my wife about it, I was like, you know what? I think the vast majority of the things that have ever been said about me, period, are probably positive. And if I were just to take a wild guess, and you're like, really, like, here's the, here's the number of things that have been said of me. Here's the amount that are positive. Here's the amount that are negative. And I'm like, probably way less than I even think are actually negative. So why is it my brain assumes immediately that the moment someone wants to talk to me or reach out to me, it's like a negative, it's going to be a negative experience. I was like, you tricky. That's a whole topic, man. There's tricks your brain. There's answers to that though. You know, like we're wired to look at the the scary negative thing. That's why we're so good at surviving. Yeah. But yeah, what that, what, what, and I was thinking about this the other day, what happens though, I think is that, um, media feeds can like kind of responds to that, you know? So, Oh, you're really interested in the thing that's negative. Cool. We'll give you that's that. But then what happens is you, that becomes the norm. You're so in flux with just negative that then it's like, I got to pick the negative of the negative. Oh, interesting. You know what I mean? just like, it's almost like, it's like the, it's like Google feeding you all the bad news headlines and you start start to expect it everywhere else in your life. Yeah. 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 Whereas before, maybe maybe in the millions of years that created our body and our brain, the yeah. negative that that part of our brain responds to like maybe a three second period every day or two. I don't know, but you know sure. what I mean. Sure. Certainly not as, as much as we're responding now. Yeah. So. yeah, totally. Yeah, interesting. Well, Dave, you are uh, a, a, a wonderful human being, a gentleman, <laughs> and uh, a true artist. And I'm looking forward to speaking with your wife at some point at length. Yeah, yeah, and, let's uh, do that too. And I'm excited sure. about. I'm one number one. I'm really more than anything just glad to be your friend. That we've that we've really kind of like have allowed this to be its own thing. And, totally. 
And the, one thing you know, that I was thinking of is like, yeah. you know, I, I mean, realistically, we don't know each other super well. Yeah. But from the first second we met until yeah. you know, just having this conversation now, like, it's, it's, it's effortless. Yeah. Like, yeah. We don't totally. have to try to put in, like, a lot of work on this and yeah like i'm super excited to like run into you again and like actual spend you know spend physical time with you and and i mean yeah i want to see you too daniel i mean you're you're pretty close to me i mean we might make that happen here pretty soon yeah do you ever cruise up through do you ever drive up north or anything like that you come through through the five or 99 i haven't been as far north as chico um we were thinking about going up to sacramento you know, I, I, I rode, uh, sorry to cut you off. I, oh. I rode, um, I rode mountain bikes for my, for Chico state for, oh. uh, one year. Oh. And, uh, so I raced and we have, um, a Bidwell park is up here okay. and it's uh, one of the largest municipal um, parks in the country. Oh, no way. Uh, they filmed Robin hood in 1937 year. It's like okay. Sherwood forest. It's oak trees and boulders and, Anyways, there's this loop called the Bidwell Bump, and it's notoriously difficult. And uh, I, I meant to add, kind of talk to you about it a little yeah. bit, but anyways, point being, there's some great mountain biking up here. I'm super into that. We actually, so I, I leave my my Ford F three fifty back in Colorado for jobs, but we've got uh, Bryn's got a uh, a Rav four out here, and I, we I just we just got a bike rack for it like last week. So now I can actually throw my bike on and like go to the, all the different places. So, um, come on sometime, man, dude, absolutely. 100%. I will be there in the next like two months. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. That's so good. Well, I can't wait to see you next time, Dave. And, um, I know we're going to have a good time whenever that is. I can't wait wait. your wife as well. Daniel, thank you for this. Appreciate you guys. And, uh, we'll catch you guys on the flip side sometime. All right. Take care, Dave. Thanks guys. Welcome to the field dressing. Today we had Dave Lil with us. Amazing photographer. I, f- I always hate introducing people by like what they do. I'm not, I'm not going to do that anymore. I love Dave Lil. I think he's just a good human being. And if that's not enough of a title, I don't know what is. Nice. <laughs> he's a good he's human seen- being who also photo- does amazing photo- photography work for big brands. And but that's not his value. His value is that he's a, actually a good man. You know, it's funny. You meet people who look like other people. Yeah. And then some of their other lo- parts of the aspects of their life all, yeah. also happen to line up. He reminds me, it's funny. It's kind of synchronistic, actually. He reminds me of someone you kind of know, uh, um, uh, martial artist friend of mine, Eric Stiverson. Mm. And Eric is such a kind human and so honest, doesn't have like a dishonest, bone or cell in his body you know Mm. and dave reminds me he looks like eric Mm. he sounds like him he has a similar tone and eric is also a person who had a very similar experience to dave in that he went out of one like a really challenging relationship into like the relationship of his life wow and to a point where all of us look at eric and we just go like well, you are so fucking happy in your relationship, man. <laughs> what is it? You know, isn't that and, fun to watch someone go through that? Like, like it, when they're like, really, yeah. everything's working out for him. It's beautiful. Yeah. That's I asked great. Eric one time about what was, and he, he actually had a good answer. What do you think? I think I've mentioned it to you. He goes, yeah. our demons play together. 
Oh, whoa, dude, that's pretty rad. That's cool. Yep, those little wounded parts of him, of him and his yeah. lady, they, they don't trigger each other. They kind of like play off of it. Anyways, Dave, Dave totally reminds me of, of him. And check this out. This is the weird part. Eric lives in Portland mm. and he called me yesterday and he was here in Chico and said, hey, I'm in town. And he, he was at my house yesterday. I got to talk to him like no two way. days in a row. I've talked to someone who like, looks like the same person. That's weird. Wonder what, <laughs> wonder what that awesome. means in your life. Sometimes it doesn't mean shit. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't want it to. <laughs> Sometimes, no, literally, it doesn't mean shit. <laughs> if I were to tease that one out, I'm, I'm in the middle of a pretty amazing relationship situation that's, uh, um, that's just like kind of blossoming. And, and I think it's a good reminder what Dave's saying about his relationship. Um, yeah. Uh, that's just, you know, that communication thing that he was talking about. I was kind of mesmerized listening to him talking. It's great. Yeah. That, that one, I think if you're, if you're listening into this and you're going like, what can I use for my life? Like that, that portion of seeking professional help, like a therapist is just such a baseline thing. Like, it's kind of like, if you've ever really wanted to get in shape, like, hire a personal trainer, like at least once or twice, like go through and you've had this experience with a, your physiotherapist. Oh, big time. Yeah. Like it's changed your life around this. Like I, like all my greatest achievements have been with the help of someone else, like a professional I sought out. Totally. And, uh, you know, like I, I climbed for 10 years before I hired a coach. And then at the time it was the, he was the greatest like trad climber in the UK. And I, and he was huh. able to be hired for a couple hours. I hired him for like two hours and he gave me like four hours and it, it totally up-leveled my climbing like over in a weekend, 48 hours. Yeah. Like when we were talking about dilettante, right? One great way to not be a dilettante is yeah. don't put all the pressure on yourself to teach you, teach yeah, yourself, you know, totally. Even, and like, I like what you say. Cause Sometimes we think, oh, I need to have a trainer. Or I need to have someone that's there all the time. Yeah. Sometimes that one, two, three, four hour session can be a game changer. It can mean, it yeah. can mean so much. It can echo throughout, especially if you record it and re-listen, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And likewise with, the, you know, his, I think he said they were in a year of year and a half of therapy and that's also necessary. Like there's yeah. like this thing where you, you need like short-term gains, but you also need like the, the kind of the grind. Like you need someone to be able to, get through that that kind of stuff and and i've hired coaches i've hired therapists i've been with you know all kinds of long-term professional relationships and you know i was i've heard several times from from like kind of business leaders say like if you if you're really looking for the best investment like where to put your money like the number one place to put your money is in yourself like invest in your own personal growth and that has higher returns than anything you could possibly do. And I, and that's uh, for that's sure amazing. what I've, what I've seen in my experience. And it depends myself. on how you show up though, too. Right. Like oh, uh, yeah. it took me a long time to start recording therapy sessions and, huh. and, uh, taking notes. You know, therapist really know you do Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. of, course they, of course they do. Yeah. <laughs> I record them getting out of their car in the morning and then no, across the street. <laughs> yeah. And taking notes. So like, I mean, I have a, my PT, my physical therapist today and mm. we're meeting and I, I like, if I don't take notes, yeah. you know, it's an incredible experience yeah. working with them, but it, it's slips away. You know, yeah so yeah and then revisiting the notes and then yeah. doing something about revisiting them it's a whole yeah. process it really is when 
yeah, I can. Every time I've taken notes and gone back over whatever it is, like it's been super yeah. helpful. And I've and I've experienced that from really physical things like jujitsu to yeah. you know going to conferences for a weekend, marriage conferences or whatever it might be. Like getting back into it's super necessary. One, one thing I find useful, Ron, uh, is to take notes when I have a, a long lasting thing, like with a therapist or with a physical therapist or whatever, if, if it was piano, it'd be uh, just point being that it's a long lasting sort of metronomical, like this happens. That's the worst word I've ever used. Um, <laughs> metronomical. Yeah, once or, <laughs> Is that a real word? Right. No, I'm sure it's not. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> As you were saying. <laughs> There's only been one other word we've cut from this podcast. It's going to be two. Um, <laughs> inside joke. My new joke. Uh, That's what I do with metronomical. <laughs> Dude, I make words up every day. Every day I'm making you're like, up words. You're like, no, Daniel, keep talking. I, by all means, I want to hear what comes out next. <laughs> I, well, I, I, I do. I Come have, on. I have I've lost the right to say what I was going to no. No, you um, didn't. It was bullshit. I'm Come just on. kidding. Uh, uh, long story short, uh, taking these notes and then not feeling pressure that you know, I have to like return to them later that day yeah. or the next day. I just file them, you know, and mm-hmm. then I put on my list of things to do at some point in time to take all those notes and just spend a nice like hour, two, three hours with them and organize them, copy them, transcribe them, whatever you, you feel yeah. is right. Chuck them, you know, read them once and chuck them. It doesn't matter. Sometimes you just gotta, they stress you out. You just burn them. Yeah. But like I'll, I'll attend to them, you know, and then build some infrastructure and in, uh, in my life that will be in response to that. And it, it works every time, man. Improves my life every time. We should talk about that sometime. Like the, the finer points of like being a student of life where you're awesome. having to bring systems around all this stuff. Cause I was, I was rereading, um, um, iron John. I've been telling you about a lot. Yeah. And I, and yeah. I was going through a portion of it yesterday that I, I've had like all these notes written in the margins and of the book. I'm like, I don't remember. Yeah. I don't remember any of this shit. And then, uh, and then the weirdest part about it, dude, and this could probably be its own thing is like, there was stuff in there that predated some, some problems I went through that, fucking happen exactly the way he described it would happen whoa if you if i didn't have my shit together and i was like uh, and i had notes written in there like you know like <laughs> do something with your notes yeah <laughs> Take your notes yeah, is not yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah. i mean it's kind of like you know it's just like <laughs> like uh you know like reading the manual of the car and and going like you must change your oil every 7,000 miles. If you don't, like you will die. Then like <laughs> later going, like, Oh yeah. I remember saying that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's, I mean, what, one of the, and I agree, this is a good topic for another, another place, but just to hit on it briefly, I, what I do is I spend every day on my to-do list. There's one thing then that's spend some time with my, with this log book that I have mm-hmm. and every page is uh, every page in the log book. And it's taken me a long time to find the right book, you know, like I need specific things. It's been a process, but bullet journals are huge. I don't use a bullet journal, but, you know. Is there like a, serious, I don't even know what a bullet journal is. What is that? It's a pretty big deal in the world that you're in. I'm kind of surprised you don't. It's like, it's like the, as I understand it, at least from my perspective, it's like the hottest way to organize your life out there. And it's really minimalist too. My friend David uses a bullet journal and it, it changed 
he really struggles with organization. And I was yeah. like, there's no way he'll do it. Cause it's highly organized. You have to like, anyways. And he, huh. I mean, it locked everything down for him. Really? Like, yep. Oh, but shit. anyways, well, that, I'll have to look into it. Okay. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. We should talk about that sometime. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, th- this was great. Let's, let's actually do that. Let's talk about that pretty soon. Let's do that sooner Love than it. later. Love it, brother. Okay. All right, dude. Good to see you. Love you. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Take care.